Good morning. Hi, Jasper. Uh, that was so much fun yesterday, the landscaping day. We got, we got to play in the mud and meet some new people. I uh, can't believe it's been three years since that campus launched at, at Pickens High, and we're just so excited about what God is going to do. Uh, he's already done so many things. Can we give it up for everybody that's been part of that campus? Thank you, Pastor Chad, for leading that campus, leading the building project. He was the project manager as that building is almost complete. Um, it's, it's just so cool uh, to see God move in Pickens County. Uh, we're going to get into a verse today in Romans chapter 12 that is going to relate so well and it's going to be so informative of what Pastor Jason was just talking about that these verses, if we get it, are literally going to change our church and change the communities where our churches are. So before we do that, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Jasper. We're going to pray for Pastor Jason and Lindsay, who have been leading a team uh, from Revolution and Serve International. They are in Kenya right now. They were just watching the 945 service at the House of Hope. Many of you have uh, supported those kids at the House of Hope. And, and check it out. They worship this morning at our church family building, Revolution Church Kikiring. How cool is that? Yeah. It's all because of your generosity. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that you have given us this opportunity today. We pray that as we open up your word that you will reveal uh, exactly what you want us to hear. Thank you for uh, what you're doing in Jasper and Pickens County. We are expectant of what you're about to do. Thank you that you've given us a base camp to uh, launch the gospel into Pickens County. Thank you for what you're doing in Kenya, Lord, uh, the team that is there right now. Uh, we, we pray for them. We pray for those kids at the House of Hope. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you move miraculously to bring the gospel and food to that part of the northwest region of Kenya. Bring our team safely home. And Father, we love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to continue verse by verse through Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today, verses 3 through 8. But we're going to spend a lot of time in verse 3 because it does inform so much of how we live our lives as Christians. So verse 3, for which is a big word, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So last week we were in the first two verses of Romans chapter 12, renewing our mind what, is that, what does that even mean? We're going to renew our minds by transformation. Transformation by renewing our minds. So if we're going to transform how we think of ourselves, we've got to go back to what Pastor Jason talked about last week. There's power in the pattern. So we have to be transformed by the power that we have to think rightly of ourselves. So the verse starts out with four or in light of the fact that we have been saved by grace. Because of the fact that we have been saved by the mercy that, that Jesus gives us that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned, in light of that, that's how we should look at ourselves. He says, don't 
overthink ourselves as being so special. That's what this is getting at. If we're going to transform, if we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, if we're going to have new patterns in our life, we have to have a right thinking, a right posture of ourselves. He didn't save us because we're so awesome. I know that's a bummer. (laughs) He saved us because he's so awesome. So we can't, if we're going to change the patterns in our lives, we can't evaluate ourselves based anymore on our standing in the world. We have to evaluate ourselves based on our standing with Jesus or our posture with Jesus. So Paul tells us how we're going to have that right view of ourselves. He says to look at ourselves with sober judgment. Now, what's he talking about here? Is there some trick going on here? Nope. (laughs) He's saying, look at ourselves soberly. What would be the opposite of sober? Not sober. Yes. Very good. Um, Drunk, intoxicated, not thinking clearly. So I don't know about y'all, but I have a long history of intoxication. Praise God. 16 years sober this week. Yep. But I can never remember a time that I was intoxicated where I was thinking clearly about anything. So Paul uses this really simple word to say, don't miss the reality of ourselves. Don't think too highly of ourselves. Don't think too lowly of ourselves. But think clearly. Don't think less of yourself. We can fall into that trap. Oh, we're awful. We're terrible. Don't think less of yourself. Just think about yourself Less. Think clearly. Have sound, rational views of ourselves. Because when we have sound judgment, when we have sober judgment of ourselves, when we understand our standing with Jesus, that we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, he saved us because he loves us, that is our antidote to pride. That's how we remain humble. Not long after Jesus changed my life, so we're talking about 13 years ago, I got invited to a church on a Thursday night. I didn't even know Thursday night church was a thing, but I went, and it it turned out to be a a pastor's conference, and I had no idea what was going on, and I'm just sitting there, and the first guy comes out, I didn't understand a word he said. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. 20 minutes, nothing. Next guy comes out, and I'm quite certain he was making up words. (laughs) A lot of words that ended in ism, a lot of words ended in Asian, I'm not tracking with anything. Last guy comes out, the headliner, he comes out, (laughs) that's how I thought about it, and and he says something that shifted the way I looked at God. For the last 13 years, I have seen myself in light of who God is based upon the verses that he shared from Isaiah chapter 66. And this is God saying this in Isaiah. Heaven is my throne. I was like, whoa, he's sitting in heaven and it's all a throne of God. And then he says, the earth is my footstool. He's he's using the earth as an ottoman? Are you you kidding that? That's who God is? And and then he starts talking about in those verses that we could never build anything 
that could compare to the magnificent things that his hand has made. And then God says, but check it out. This is the one to whom I will look. This is the one that I will show favor upon. This is the one that I will adore. The one who gets it. The one who understands who I am, who is humble and contrite in spirit, broken in spirit, repentant in spirit, and trembles at my word. I thought, for the first time in my life, I am not the center of the universe. (laughs) He's God, I'm not. And that has informed my entire relationship with him ever since. And that's what Paul is getting at here. This is one of those posture-shaping moments in Scripture. Have a right view of ourselves based upon our right standing with God, based upon our posture with God. Then he says, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, is he talking about an amount of faith? Is he talking about, oh, this person has more faith than this person? No, he's using this in in a way that is a a unit of measure. And the word measure actually is is a Greek word, metron, means meter, or where we would get the metric system. And and I I can't help but giggle (laughs) when I hear the metric system. Who can relate to this? Remember in elementary school, everything was supposed to go to the metric system, so we had to learn the metric system. We're gonna go to the metric system next week. We gotta learn it now. It's 40 years later, and what do we got? A nine millimeter handgun and a two liter bottle of Coke. That's it, that's all we got. <laughs> he's, using, he's using meter as a standard of measure, and he's saying that we should measure ourselves by the faith given to us, or Measure ourselves by the grace. Measure ourselves simply because Jesus has given us that faith. Because in Christ, we're all the same. If we have been saved, we are all the same in our, the word is justification. So nobody who is saved is any more saved or any less saved than anybody else. So how do we look at ourselves soberly? How do we look at ourselves not thinking too highly of ourselves? Well, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, it was given to us, so we, we can't think too highly of ourselves. And how do we not think too lowly of ourselves? The creator of the universe loves us that much. The creator of the universe loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to take a penalty that we deserve. We sang about it in those three songs. We started out by singing, we are a child of God. That's how we not think too lowly of ourselves. Because if we think too high or too low, we're just not understanding that grace. John Piper would say, how do we not have a high regard of ourselves? Have a high regard of Jesus. Paul is saying, think about ourselves less. Forget about ourselves. Dr. Phil would say, it ain't about you. 
That's right. <laughs> it ain't about you. And that's the title of today's message. Happy Sunday. <laughs> so we're going to look at the next four verses in the context of that verse three, sober judgment. Verse four, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Several times in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul will use this analogy of a body. Again, there's no magic here. He's using an actual body as the analogy that there are many parts of one body. The word member is another Greek word, melos, which means limb. So a part of. And, and as he gets into this in scripture, he'll even say, if we were just one big ear, where, where would our sense of smell come from? If we were just one big eye, where would our sense of hearing come from? He's saying three things here. All the parts are different. All the parts are of one body. And all the parts work together. All different, all part of one, all working together. And that's, that's so encouraging to me because we're all different. We all have things we like to do, things we don't like to do, things we, we're good at, things we're not good at. And God is saying, I want to use each of you as one part of this body. And Paul is reminding us that even on our best day, even on a day that we're killing it, and that's a rare day for me, even on a day that we're killing it, we're just one part of that body. This is why it is so important to be a part of a church. This is why church membership is so important. I heard a pastor say one time that, that Christians, every Christian, needs to be a member of the church or a church because the Bible has no category. You ready for this? The Bible has no category for a dismembered Christian. Using the same analogy that Paul gives. If we think belonging to a church isn't important, let's think about one of our, our greatest needs. Don't you want to be a part of something? I want to be a part of something. That's why social media is such a pull. We, want to, we just want to be a part of something. We'll join a gym. We'll join a, a golf club. We'll get a Costco membership. <laughs> but, but none of those things are for others. Those are for ourselves. They're for our bodies, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're for our leisure time, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're for our pallet of toilet paper, and there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But, but none of those things are for others. I, I've belonged to gyms. I've been a member of a golf club. I have a Costco membership. Come on, I'll get a hot dog afterwards. <laughs> Remember when they changed the hot dog? Used to be a Hebrew national, now it's not. Okay, just me. Um, but none of those things, the, they, they were never life-giving like the body of the local church. And that's why we, we got to look at church like, like it's a cruise ship. No. No, church is not a cruise ship where we're just getting served all the time, 24-7, midnight buffet. Nothing wrong with going on a cruise, but that's not church. Church is a battleship where everybody has a skill, everybody has an ability, working in unison for one goal. Paul says in, in Romans 12, 
uh, Romans 1, chapter 12, um, 1 Corinthians 1, 12. I knew I was gonna get it somehow. Uh, I'm still thinking about that hot dog at Costco. Um, he says, we're gonna work together for one another, for the common good. So going back to the word of the year, which is? Integrate, Integrate. thank you very much. Can you come to every service? <laughs> Integrate, which means combine one thing or part with another so they become a whole. So if we're going to be integrated in the church, it means we've got to be a part of the church. If we're going to be integrated on a serving team, we've got to be a part of a serving team. If we're going to be integrated in a group, we've got to be a part of a group. If we're going to be integrated in the Jasper campus and we live in Jasper or LJ, we've got to be a part of Jasper and LJ and part of that Jasper campus. Each member, each limb, each part of the church gifted differently to form, to form together, and to serve the body of the church. So how do we look at ourselves in sober judgment? How do we have a right view of ourselves? Why are our hearts bent toward serving others? So a sober judgment gives us or leads to or informs servant hearts toward others. Sober judgment of ourselves informs servant hearts toward others, recognizing that we are just a part of the whole. Great example of this, uh, I spent 15 years of my adult life in Reading, Pennsylvania. Thank you. I, I didn't want to brag, but <laughs> Reading, Pennsylvania, famous for? Outlets, yes, very good. Taylor Swift, yes, Tay-Tay, she's from there, yep. Uh, the Amish, yeah, I heard, I heard somebody yell Amish. Yeah, I partied with the Amish. Um, we tore the house down, they built it back up again. <laughs> they, they... <laughs> it's... I... it's also famous for uh, Penske Racing, the IndyCar uh, team uh, of Penske Racing. They were there for many years before they moved to North Carolina. And I got to know some of the guys that worked for the IndyCar teams. And I was at a party one time and I said, hey, what do you do? And he said, well, on race day, I pass a wheel. I said, well, what else do you do? He goes, that's it. <laughs> See that guy over there? He passes another wheel. I got the left front, he's got the left rear. I said, well, who do you pass it to? <laughs> he said, I pass it to the guy that puts it on the car. And then he proceeded to explain to me, there's 11 people on the pit crew of an IndyCar team. And they each have a, a specialty, they each have a skill, they each have an ability, and they train for this. And working together in unison, they become one body to put four wheels on a car, fill that tank with 18 and a half gallons of racing fuel, and if one of them is off, it's the difference between winning and losing the race. And he said to me, and this was, I don't know how many years ago that was, he said, Check it out. If I'm not there, you better believe I'm missed. That's how we need to look at ourselves as the body of a church. If we're not here using the skills and the gifts that God has given us, we're missed. 
That's how we should serve. That's how we should give. That's how we should be a part of a group. Hey, if you're not there, where are you? You're missed. So that is, that's how we become interdependent, not codependent, in which one person relies on the other for their needs, but interdependent. Verse five gets more into that. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Interdependent means working together as one for each other. It almost has like a little cadence to it. Working together as one for each other. Let's do it together. Working together as one for each other. That was not working together as one, but it was <laughs> that was close. But you get it. Verse six follows having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but it just means that we have certain gifts. God's given us these gifts. He's given everybody gifts. He may have given you more than one gift. He's God. He can give us a different gift today if he wants. And he's saying none of these gifts are for anyone to be elevated over someone else. We're not supposed to think we are above anyone with our gifts or below anyone with our gifts. Think about that pit crew working together as one for each other. That's the body of the church. There shouldn't be any competition within the church. That's how we fall into a comparison trap. Social media is our biggest comparison trap that we have today because we're always looking at somebody else's life, somebody else's highlight reel. Well, there's a danger, because we can look at ourselves in church that way. Am I the only one to ever look down the aisle and go, man, that dude is such a better Christian than me. I can't be the only one, but I've done that. Well, that, that person's gifts are so much greater than mine. No, no, the gifts are different for the purpose of working together in unison for the common good to build up the body of the church. The gifts are for the complement of each other, not for the comparison of each other. They're for the complement of each other, not for the comparison of each other. And then Paul says regarding these gifts, use them. Use them. God gave us the gifts. Here's a crazy thought. Check out this scenario. Your kids want a certain present for Christmas or presents for Christmas, and you work really hard to find them and get them and buy them and wrap them up and hide them and then put them under the tree, and they come running down the stairs or, or running down the hall if it's a ranch. <laughs> I'm getting to the age where I really like a ranch. <laughs> and they tear off the wrapping paper and they leave them there. They don't even take it out of the package and they walk away and they say, we're not gonna use those. We're not gonna play with those. We're not even going to explore those. How do you think God feels? He's saying to us, hey, I gave you some gifts. I gave you more than one gift and, and, and you're not using them. 
do you know what it cost me to get you back to me? Do you know what it cost me to get you back to me in relationship? It cost me everything. (laughs) Jesus, my son, perfect, holy, righteous in every way. He never sinned, yet he took all of our sin, all of your sin, and paid a penalty that we deserved to give us what we didn't deserve, a relationship with our heavenly father. God says, I gave you all of that and bonus. I gave you some gifts, some talents, some abilities, and you haven't used them? Why? Because you're too busy? I think about that all the time. I was in a horrific season of busyness. Somebody came up to me and said, that's an acronym. Being under Satan's yoke. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't ooh, that was an ouchie. And, and I was thinking, am I not using my gifts and talents and abilities that God has given me because I'm too busy? Am I wasting them? So look at it this way. If we're going to seek the welfare of the city to which we're sent, whether it's Canton or Jasper or Kenya, then we have to look at ourselves with sober judgment. And it's not a question of whether God has given us a gift. He has. And like I said, he may have given you multiple gifts. It's not a question of whether he's given you the gift. It's a question of, are you going to use it? Because if we're going to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, if we're really going to offer ourselves as living sacrifices... Living sacrifices don't say, I'm just here to get something. But hear me, this is so important. Sometimes it's critical to come and eat at the table. Sometimes it's critical to come and receive and listen and get healing and restoration. And that's okay. My wife and I did that when we first came here five and a half years ago. We just sat and we received and we healed. But if you've been on the receiving end of the grace of Jesus Christ, if you've been on the receiving end of mercy, then at some point you have to look at Jesus's standard of servanthood. He came to serve and not be served. And we gotta say, all right, I've received I'm healed, I'm restored. It's time to get off the bench and onto the court. So I wanted to make sure you heard that. And then Paul lists some of these gifts and we're gonna talk about these, but not extensively because the purpose is not necessarily what they are, but are we gonna use them? If prophecy, use it in proportion to, or proportion, either one. (laughs) (laughs) Proportion to our faith. I've heard it both ways. Again, he, he, he's saying here, use the standard of your faith in Jesus. Not an amount of faith, but the fact that we are saved by grace. Uh, and that gift of prophecy, that's proclaiming God's word for the building up of the church. We would call it preaching. Verse seven, if the gift is service, use it. Use it where? In our serving. The one who teaches, use it. Where? In his teaching. So let's look at service. Somebody who serves 
has the gift of service. Okay, but check this out. Follow me on this. Ephesians 4.12 says the role of a pastor is to equip the people for the work of ministry. Well, ministry and service are the same word, diakonia. So it follows that everyone is in ministry. So service is for everyone. So you'll see a little later that there are some gifts that we should all exhibit as followers of Jesus. So what does that look like here at Revolution Church? Well, it may look like being a part of our welcome team, our parking team, our first-time guest folks that love on our first-time guests, our grow area. Uh, They connect people with different things here at the church, our greeters, our ushers, our prayer team. Maybe it's serving in Rev Kids or Rev Students. Uh, There's 400 students between here and Jasper that show up every Wednesday night. There are so many serving areas there. there. There are ways to serve just in protection of our kids and students. You know it takes 60 people to protect your kids right now? Yeah. Our campus safety team takes about 60 people every Sunday. Monday night, there's a campus safety need because there's about 20 or 30 kids who are playing in childcare while their parents are in their care groups. Wednesday night, there's a need for campus safety because there's 400 students that we've got to protect. Maybe it's the data team. Maybe you're gifted in that area. Maybe you just like that kind of stuff. Be on our data team. There's the worship team. There's the production team. I said at the 945 service, the production team gets up at 4.30 in the morning. They're like, no, we don't. (laughs) But they get up really early to be here at 6.30. And the fruit of that is that our team at the House of Hope watching the 945 service today because somebody got up really early, put on a black t-shirt, got here to run a camera or run uh, a a projector or run uh, lyrics on a screen or the sound or making sure this was here or making sure we had microphones. And it doesn't end there. I talked to a lady uh, a couple of weeks ago. She was joining a serving team and she said, she comes to the 945 service. And she has a sister that watches the 945 service at home. And her sister invites people into her home. So they have a little house church thing going on. They watch the service. Then they get on the phone and they talk about it. I don't know why I just went like that. That (laughs) That's two people talking on a phone together (laughs) as one. (laughs) Um, You know where her sister watches that service? Belgium. Belgium is not a spiritually thriving country. It's an awesome country, but only 5% of people in Belgium would say that they are Christ followers or go to church. But because of our production team working behind the scenes, people in Belgium get to hear about Jesus every Sunday. Amen. Yeah. I hope I mentioned every team because if I didn't, I'm in big trouble. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, hey, wait a minute, is this a message about serving? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um, it's, it's a message about serving, but there's a why behind the what. You can't have a healthy church 
without a healthy culture of service. It's so important, we even have it in our mission statement, love Jesus, grow people. The word grow is an acronym, G-R-O-W. The R is for relationships. We are made, created by God for relationships. And, and it's really important to understand that we, we wanna give you those relationships. So through serving, it, it's not that we want something from you. Pastor Jason says this all the time. We want something for you. So re relationships can be built through serving teams. My wife and I, uh, some of our closest friends, uh, came through joining the welcome team. I went back online to find out exactly when we started serving here. I kid you not, five years ago today. Five years ago today. All, all we did was take one step of obedience. That was it. We joined the welcome team. I started greeting people at that double door right there. So if you don't think that God might have something for you in your spiritual growth through taking that one step of obedience. He may, even, he may even use you as an answer to somebody else's prayer. Maybe, maybe you joining a team or getting into a group, maybe that's somebody's answer to prayer that they just need somebody to talk to. They need to know they're not doing this by themselves. It takes a thousand people to do what we do on Sundays here in Canton and in Jasper. But someday, and that's probably in a couple of weeks, some of you all who are serving here that live in Jasper and LJ and Talking Rock, you're gonna get up and you're gonna go to the city to which you were sent. And you're gonna love on the people in Jasper. And someday, the people in Jasper and the people in Canton are gonna get up and they're gonna go to the next church plant and serve another city to which they were sent because it's all about raising up and sending out, so there's always going to be needs. Another reason is our vision of multiplication. So in that, we can't have Jasper, we can't have Kenya, we can't have the next campus without multiplying team members and leaders. So if you're in Jasper and you haven't started serving yet, as Pastor Jason said, hey, go right out in the lobby, and tell them you wanna join a team. If you're in Canton and you haven't taken that step of obedience, it's just that small step. Go into the grow area right afterwards, right at those tables and say, hey, I'm ready to serve. Let's continue verse seven. If it's teaching, use that gift. So we've talked about preaching, prophecy. What's the difference between preaching and teaching? Well, preaching, if it is the proclamation of God's word to build up the body of the church, Teaching is making God's word clear and understandable. Who has both of those gifts? Pastor Jason has both of those gifts. We're so thankful that he is our pastor. Maybe, maybe you have that gift of teaching, but maybe it's not in a, in a big format. Maybe it's not teaching a seminary class. Maybe, maybe you can facilitate a conversation with some teenagers on a Wednesday night. If that's you, we have a need for group leaders in our students' ministry on Wednesday nights. Maybe you have a, a gift of just gathering people at your house, having a meal, laughing, talking about what God's doing in your life, serving together. That's what it means to be a group leader. You don't have to go to seminary to be a group leader. You just have to have a desire 
Maybe you just like gathering people. Maybe you like talking about God. <laughs> Maybe you like laughing. Maybe you have some common interests with some people. If that's you, there's a group leader application on our website. We would love to talk to you about leading a group. There's a lot of people trying to get into groups. We just don't have enough of them. That's a good problem to have. But you may be the answer to that prayer today. It's not a pause for uh, effect. I just don't know where I am. (laughs) Verse 8. We haven't gotten to verse 8 yet. Okay. Continuing, talking about the different gifts. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Exhortation, think of it as encouragement. Think of it as using your words to build somebody up. Generosity. R.C. Sproul talks about generosity. He says every Christian has a desire to give. Some just have the gift to do it liberally. My wife has that gift. She is a generous, cheerful giver, locally, globally, spontaneously. I've mentioned this before. Somebody says, hey, I love your earrings. She's like, boom, here you go. They mean nothing because of the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. And I I did stop giving her jewelry, but (laughs) (laughs) the one who leads, leads with zeal or translated diligent. That's, that's one who intentionally knows where they're going and they go after it and they do it diligently and they can put vision out there and people follow them. Last part of verse eight, the one who does acts of mercy, do acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God gave us mercy cheerfully. He didn't hold it back from us. He didn't give us mercy begrudgingly. He joyfully, willfully said, Here is my son. I give him to you. You you might be thinking, well, I I don't have that gift of mercy. I don't have that gift of generosity. I don't have that gift of encouragement. Some of these gifts, as I said earlier, are for everybody. As Christians, as believers, we should all be generous, merciful, and encouraging. That is the mark of a believer. Paul is just saying, hey, some people excel in that area. But he says, whatever your gift is, however you're acting as a believer, do it cheerfully. Don't do it begrudgingly. Take off your earrings and and laugh and say, here you go. I've got something so much better. Write your tithe check. I've got something so much better. Serve on a Sunday cheerfully, joyfully, because of our standing with God, because we understand our position and who he is and how much he loves us. The word cheerfully literally means hilarious. comes from a word hilaros. We should be doing these things and laughing about it because it's so much of an overflow of what Jesus has given us. We don't do these things, and and I've fallen into this trap. (laughs) We, we We don't serve out of guilt. 
I have served out of guilt. It's not fun. We're not serving to wipe out a debt. I've done that too. Right before Jesus changed my life, I was living in Los Angeles and I knew something was going on, so I was going down to the LA homeless mission, I was going over here, I was serving every Saturday, trying to wipe away all the things I did in 1992. (laughs) That doesn't work. We don't wanna serve out of guilt, we don't wanna serve out of debt. We wanna serve out of what he has done for us in gratefulness, in thanksgiving, with cheer. And we don't wanna serve to the point where serving becomes an idol, where serving becomes greater than who God is. And I've done that too. So those are just three cautions. Because God's created us each uniquely. He's given us gifts. He may have given you more than one gift. He says, use those gifts. And sometimes those gifts and abilities are things we've had our entire lives. But as believers, once we've trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowers that gift to be used to build up the body of the church. How cool is that? Things we like to do. Things we've always liked to do. Boom, God gets a hold of us and says, Now you're going to use it for my glory. Now you're going to use your natural talents empowered by my spirit. So don't overcomplicate your gifts. Don't don't try to break down all these gifts. Which one's mine? Think about things you're good at. Think about things you like to do. I I love greeting people. I, I love encouraging people. So... Probably my gifts lean towards service and encouragement. I'm not going to overcomplicate that. Because when we see what Jesus did for us, when we see how he served us, that he came to serve and not be served, when we get our posture, when we get sober judgment of ourselves, there's no other play. There's no other move that we have. Because if we are going to have a right posture toward God and we understand that right posture, the question is, will we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? Because when we show ourselves in the posture of a servant, we are living sacrifices. And it all goes back to what Pastor Jason said last week. The power is in the pattern In Jesus, we can have a new pattern. And if our pattern is Jesus's pattern of servanthood, game on. Because we understand verse three. We look at ourselves soberly. And when we look at ourselves soberly, when we have a right posture, it leads to a right pattern. So it all flows out of understanding who we are in relationship to Jesus, our right posture leads to a right pattern. And maybe your posture isn't right yet. And maybe it's because you haven't looked at your posture. Maybe it's because you haven't contemplated heaven's his throne. (laughs) The earth is his footstool but he's gonna show favor upon the one who gets who he is. 
So we're gonna pray. And if you've never had that moment where you get who he is and what he's done for you and trusted in Jesus, we're gonna give you that opportunity. So let's pray right now. Father, thank you. I thank you for every person in this room and watching online. If there has never been a time where they have contemplated who you are and what you've done for them, Father, I want them to hear that you love them so astronomically much that you were willing and cheerfully offering Jesus as a sacrifice for them. If that's you and you're ready to trust in Jesus today and change your pattern and change your posture, repeat after me quietly to yourself, Lord, I now see that my sin has separated me from you. I wanna be back in that relationship with you. Will you forgive me of my sin? I am trusting in Jesus for that forgiveness. I am trusting that you raised him from the dead. I am trusting that he sits at your right hand in heaven, at your throne, ruling over all things. Will you save me? If that was you, I'm gonna ask you to do something right now. Everybody's eyes are closed. I want you to lift your hand in victory. Lift your hand as high as you can get it as if your team won the Super Bowl because your posture just changed. Your pattern just changed. We have a prayer team. They have Bibles. They wanna give you a Bible to start you on this incredible journey with Jesus. Thank you. And for everybody else, maybe you've already looked at yourself in sober judgment and you see yourself in light of what Jesus has done for you. You've already checked your posture. Or maybe you haven't taken that step of obedience and asked God, hey, where do you want me to serve? Our prayer right now is this, Lord, we pray that you would fall upon each person listening, watching, sitting, that you would identify the gifts in their life that you have given them and how you want them to use those gifts to build up the body of your church. Father, we are so thankful for you. So thankful for Jasper, for Kenya, for Canton, and wherever else you send us. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.